0: There we go. How's that? Yeah, all right. woohoo. All right, so that brings me to First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, which says, "No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it, right? So, well, that's kind of not the illustration, but from what, from what Ray said, um, you know, absolutely, God is amazing, and, um, you know, he, uh, he does give us a way of escape all the time. It's not some of the times. It's not like, oh, man, he forgot it, and it's an oversight. I'm so sorry, son. I'll go ahead and give you a way of escape next time. No, it's all the time. He gives us a way of escape and it's any situ- in any situation. You know, there's nothing too small, nothing too big. Um, the Lord um, gives us that, uh, that kind of escape hatch to go out um, in difficult situations where we're tempted, where we're, we're at those places to where, you know, we do want to say or not say something that we should say and, um, you know, all of those things. So, anyway, I'm excited to be here, uh, continuing to go through the Word of God. Um, as always, and um, this evening, we're going to be going through uh, Numbers chapter 12. And in Numbers chapter 12, we have an interesting uh, kind of um, a situation. You know, we've gone through chapter 11, which we have the murmuring and uh, the backbiting, the, the complaining of the Israelites and how it is that God dealt with not only the Israelites, but also with Moses, because we learned that Moses complained as well. Um, But then we have a couple of individuals this evening in chapter 12 that are going to be uh, speaking against Moses. So, you know, the bunch of people on their way to the promised land, they've been demonstrated over and over how powerful and how the Lord is sovereign and how he has their best interests at heart and how it is that he... um, has delivered them from under the hand of the Egyptians, and he's done all of those things, and yet they're complaining and they're murmuring, and their uh, memory of the past is distorted, you know? And uh, they think that they, everything was so so nice back in Egypt at the point where they were getting bored of the food that uh, the Lord was providing for them on a daily basis. And here we have a couple that complain. They complain. They, uh, they're talking against uh, Moses. And all of these illustrations, though, and here's, here's the thing, is, is I love how you go through the Word of God and, and it demonstrates God's mercy, God's grace, His long-suffering. Um, it, it demonstrates the very character of God um, through and through. It points to Jesus Christ. Uh, it's just absolutely wonderful because all of these are illustrations they're object lessons that are written to serve you and I today. Isn't that awesome? I mean, we can go through the Word of God and through this chapter and through the previous chapter and through the one before that. Many of these things are there, they serve as object lessons for us to glean from, apply to our lives, and not do the same thing. You know, hindsight is 2020, but other people's issues that they've gone through. If we learn from them and their mistakes, it, it, it's our foresight. It helps us to apply that wisdom, that knowledge, to situations that we confront ourselves in day-to-day lives. Uh, day-to-day, our day-to-day lives, day-to-day situations. Um, to know things to avoid. And also, to recognize things to emulate this is why it's important to pay attention to what's written. Not to gloss over, but to go through and really study the Word of God. That we may know ourselves. Number one is know, know yourself. Know how it is that we always fall short. Uh, how we can always um, make mistakes and we, we sin on a daily basis. There's not a day that you don't you know, go through and, and you don't do something that just falls short of God's glorious standard. Right? Number two and even more important is to know the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 5 and 6 says, Nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. That is, they were, they were laid low. They, they died. Now, these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. So that's what I'm telling you. They serve as examples for you and I. Like certain situations um well after verse 6 in first corinthians chapter 10 it lists out things like idolatry sexual immorality testing the lord grumbling against god those are the different things that were listed by the apostle paul and served as an example for the church in corinth to learn from and so here we are we're the church of refuge And we get to glean and learn from the very things that the church in Corinth was learning at that time, looking back at the children of Israel. So this evening, in a way, it's a continuation of the grumbling, murmuring, the complaining that was taking place in chapter 11. You could say it's a third example of grumbling against the Lord, but it's by grumbling against the Lord's anointed and appointed leader and mediator, Moses. The Lord himself handles the situation, as we'll see, even as Moses pleads to God on their behalf. So, just really a neat study that we'll be going through this evening. Before we do, let's pray. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, that you don't take out all the bad parts and just leave the good parts and how shiny people are. And, Lord, we know... We know deep down inside that, Lord, we fall short. We are so thankful for your grace, for that mercy that you demonstrate to us, that love, that compassion that you have, how it is that you never, never turn your back on us, but you're always there. And as we do ask for your forgiveness, Lord, you are there to pick us up, to, to bring us close and to help us along that path of righteousness with you on our way to our home, to your presence and all of your glory. And so this evening, Father, I pray that you would help us to see again your grace and your mercy, even in the midst of such difficult circumstances as we'll see here, such a, a trying time for Moses, and, and it angered your heart to see what was going on. Lord, help us to learn from this and not make the same mistakes in our lives. That we may bring you glory within the church. That we may be a people who are mature in the things of God. And so, Lord, we commit this evening into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read through the chapter. It's it's not a long chapter, so we can read through it just to kind of get an overall picture of it, get a good context of what we're talking about. So Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken... Through us also. And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forward. And he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. And he departed when the cloud removed from over the tent. Behold, Miriam was leprous like snow and Aaron turned toward Miriam and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, "O oh my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, "O oh God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed even, uh, shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. After that, the people set out from Hazroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Verse 1, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. This is why, initially, we're told there was opposition to Moses. We need to be reminded that even among the most gifted and God-ordained leaders within the church, sin can creep in and cause dissension within the ranks. It may be looked at as little sins, but the impact can be Absolutely devastating, can be destructive, sometimes completely halting the work of the Lord within a particular fellowship of believers. Now, God deals with this situation, and I I pray it serves as an example of what not to do and give ourselves over to when we kind of feel inclined to do so. We must recognize ideas like these as thoughts from the enemy that must be extinguished by the Lord and his word, you know, to take every thought captive, to bring it before the Lord, to sift it through, you know, is this of the Lord? The question here that I had was, what happened to blood is thicker than water? Because remember, Aaron and Miriam, who were they to Moses? They my bro. Not just like bro, right? But brother, he's like a blood brother and a blood sister. Because the term blood is thicker than water means that relationships and loyalties within the family are supposed to be strongest and the most important ones. So with that said, really Miriam and Aaron should be Moses' greatest source of support, not criticism. But then again, you think about God's word. What does it say about a prophet in his home? Matthew 13, 57, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And it wasn't until after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that his family came to believe who he claimed to be and was. Not until after. Before that, there was a moment where, where Jesus was told, hey, your family's outside. So, well, who's my mother and my brothers and my sisters? But those who, what? Who walk, who follow the Lord, right? They're obedient to God, who obey his commandments. So it shouldn't really be surprising that Miriam and Aaron had a little uprising against Moses. It happens. It happens. It shouldn't be something that trips us up to the point to where we stop all together and we're Paralyzed. Miriam's name is mentioned first, by the way, because she took the lead in this complaint against Moses. What happened, uh, the the question is, what happened to Zipporah? Because the one who's mentioned here is a Cushite woman. So I'm going to give you a a few thoughts of who this Cushite woman was, because could this Cushite woman be Zipporah, is the question. Number one, some believe she had died and this was Moses' second wife. We, we don't have that worked out for us, but that's one view. Another view is some believe this was Moses' second wife in addition to Zipporah. I, we, we don't see that at all, but that's the way some see it. And others still believe that Zipporah's father, Jethro, was original from Ethiopia and moved to Midian, making Zipporah an Ethiopian by birth. So that very well could have been. Here's the thing is, whichever way, we know that Moses' wife was not of Hebrew blood. And Miriam and Aaron expressed basically discrimination against her from the outset of our text this evening. Whatever the situation, we do know that there was this great dissension. Those are some of the things that, okay, so they're kind of peripheral. And and that's not the point that the Lord is making. Sometimes we can get stuck with those things. And we ought not to be stuck in those things. Like, continue moving on, okay? If you want to figure that out at some point when you're before the Lord, ask Him. hey... Zipporah and this Cushite woman, same one? Yeah. You know, sometimes we get hung up on on the wrong things. But that's not something to get hung up on. But the question is, but for this reason, really? You know what I mean? It's like you're, you're speaking against Moses for this reason all of a sudden? It's not like she just came on the scene. She's been here for a while. And you're just now going to bring this up. No, not really. The real issue is seen in the next verse. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? Ah, okay. So that's the real issue there. It's amazing how we find ourselves pointing out all sorts of faults with someone when we have just one great big issue with them. Just one thing. We have one thing against them. All of a sudden, we're nitpicking, finding all these things with them. Jealousy really is what we see here. Proverbs 14.30 says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. And James 3.16 says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Jealousy has this rotting effect. It, first of all, rots the heart, the thoughts, the perspective of the person that possesses jealousy toward anyone else. It begins to rot, the the very core of the person who insists on holding on to that jealousy. It comes from the inside out. The things that people are willing to do when filled with jealousy are oftentimes irrational, illogical, and just plain distracting, divisive, and destructive, altogether. The question lays plain their real issue with Moses, the one that they asked. Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? Are they viewing his role as one that they perceive as perhaps being self-exalting? You know, like, okay, so... I, Moses self-promoted himself. You know, who, who made him boss? You know, who brought him along? Like, well, I think it was pretty clear. I mean, think about all that Aaron himself has experienced with Moses and all the miracles before Pharaoh. Again, this is, this is nothing. This is where we need to have discernment. You know, to see how it is that the Lord's working and then certain things, certain thoughts come up it 's like, "Hmm, that's not of the Lord." Think about what happened when Miriam chased after her brother down the Nile in a little basket. Pharaoh's daughter came down with her entourage as she bathed, and, and they fetched Moses out of the water. And how it was that <clears throat> Moses wasn't killed. <clears throat> This little boy that um, you know, as Miriam ran up, and the ladies were were talking, and Pharaoh's daughter said, "Oh, this must be one of the Hebrews' son." And then Miriam said, "Oh, do you want me to go get someone to take care of him?" Yeah, go get. Them. She went back and got mom. Just happened to be I mean, the Lord worked through all of that. Miriam has, has to think about these things. Aaron, think about these things that have taken place up to this point. They both knew better. They should have known better. They both had witnessed how God had called Moses to lead the people out of Egypt and toward the promised land. Moses had been the recipient of the law and passed it along to the people. All of that. Now, jealousy can really do a number on a person. Completely distorting, twisting, and really perverting reality. So the question is, did the Lord only speak through Moses? We can answer that with Scripture. The answer is no. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 30, it says, Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. Oh, but Aaron forgot about that. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, he spoke to both of them, and Miriam spoke words inspired by God. Exodus chapter 15, verse 21 says, and Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. That's inspired, that's a a word of God. God had spoken to Miriam and Aaron, but they were not given the authority to lead the nation. But the question was not asked with sincerity. It wasn't... Well, has he only spoken through him? Like a genuine concern, like a genuine question. No, 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 it was a self-exalting attitude. It was filled with pride. God gave the authority to a man to lead in more than one instance through the word... Through the Bible, you can see that. You can see Noah, Abraham, Joshua, David, Daniel, Peter, Paul, James, Titus. You can go through and you see all these people whom God had selected to lead. And the problem was, in the midst of their grumbling and their murmuring and their speaking against Moses, guess who was there? The Lord. It says there in verse 2, and the Lord heard it. The Lord heard the Lord heard their grumbling, and He hears ours today, and He's grieved just as much today as He was then. Verse three speaks of Moses's humility his meekness now the man moses was very meek more than all people who were on the face of the earth it's kind of like this parenthetical statement in the middle of this this chapter you know we have Aaron and Miriam speaking against Moses God heard it asking these questions filled with pride and then then we have verse 3 then we continue on thank you so much then we have This statement here, it's a statement made by God on behalf of Moses that gives us basically a clear understanding of Moses's character. It's like, it's important. Hey, listen, we're going to go through this, but in the middle of it, I want to make sure that you understand uh, Moses's character determined by God. He's the meekest man on the face of the earth. He didn't have a problem with pride. Miriam and Aaron had a problem with pride. The people who were accusing Moses of pride were the ones full of it. Moses was not deserving of this accusation, but it was made nonetheless. It's interesting, though, and I thought about it, that Moses was credited with writing the first five books of the Bible. This was one of them so how is it that the most humble man on earth or the meekest man on earth could write this about himself without a trace of pride and arrogance, right? I just want to let you guys know. I am really humble. I'm meek, right? Well, the bottom line is that he was. This was the word of God. It's thought um, that after um, Joshua had, um, or I mean Moses had died in Nebo, that, that Joshua had inserted this. It doesn't say that. It's just one of those thoughts. Nonetheless, this is God's inspired, inerrant, infallible word. And whether God commanded Moses to write, because that would take a lot. You're like, really? no, no. <laughs> Not that, no. Yes, put that down, you know. And he had to write it out. We don't know. We don't know if it was Joshua that inserted it. We do know that it's the word of God, and it's in there, and it's for our benefit. It's to understand the character of Moses. That's what it's there for. The question is, even after that statement, is how did it all work out? Did Moses defend himself? No, he didn't defend himself at all. In fact, verse 4, And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forward. And he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. Their question earlier was, has God not spoken through us also? Well, I can't help but to I kind of chuckle a little bit because here's God speaking to Aaron and Miriam, right? Face to face, mouth to mouth. He's speaking, God is speaking through their situation to us today. Yes, God has, he is, and he always will speak to us. There are times when God's response to certain people and situations seems to be delayed. The judgment is long, time, a long time coming, isn't it? It's like, oh, like, when is the Lord going to do something in this situation? That is from our perspective. You know It's like sometimes it just seems like it just takes a long time for the Lord to do something in certain situations. But in this instant, God doesn't respond. On down the road. He responds immediately. It says suddenly. Calling Moses and Aaron and Miriam. To the tent of meeting. They all came. But then God called. Miriam and Aaron. To draw closer to him. This was clear. To clearly distinguish. Them from Moses. In what he was. About to say. What what we need to notice here. Is that. The Lord took a personal and intimate and powerful interest in this particular situation. is very close to God's heart, you could say. It wasn't for Moses to judge this one and defend himself because remember, Moses was the one that oversaw the judgment of all the issues that were going on within the congregation, within the Israelites. Um, he had some people that had been Blessed and anointed to help him out, the 70 elders, and he had all kinds of people that were leading and helping, but not this one, not this one. The Lord was going to deal with this one personally. God was going to judge on Moses' behalf against those who were closest to him. Now, I really don't think that Miriam and Aaron had this in mind. Because remember, they thought that perhaps you know Moses was leading with a with an iron fist or something, you know, like he was, he was someone he, he wasn't. Miriam and Aaron wanted to know what was so special about Moses, and God let them know. He said, "With him, I speak mouth to mouth clearly." Not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. There's no one, there's no one that has seen the Lord and, and lived. So this isn't, this isn't seeing the Lord in, in a way other than his form. It's like seeing, not seeing the person of God, but seeing a form of the person. You see, with all others, God had spoken in dreams or visions. But not Moses. He spoke to him like a friend. Exodus 33:11 says, "Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend." Can you imagine that? <clears throat> I, I think back to the garden, the very place in which Adam and Eve would meet with the Lord in the cool of the day, every day. That was an intimate moment to where they, they spoke with the Lord. They had this beautiful communion with Him, perfect fellowship. They enjoyed that. And I could just imagine how it is that, in a similar fashion, the Lord would speak to Moses. To hear this audible voice of God coming from a pillar of cloud... That would be absolutely amazing. This is what was happening with Moses, Miriam, and Aaron right now. He's speaking from this pillar of cloud. Moses had this burning bush from which the Lord spoke to him. He would meet with him regularly and speak to him as friends do. One day, one day, one day, brothers and sisters, we will be with the Lord forever. And we'll be able to do this very thing. So that's what was going on here with these two, Miriam and Aaron. But their conversation was a bit different, it was a one way conversation. It was as we would call in the Navy. You'd been, been called on the carpet. And, and it, it was really bad when you were called on the red carpet. It, and it wasn't a good thing. It's not like you had photographers flashing pictures at you. It was more of like you're walking that red carpet to go see the captain. And, and this is one of those situations to where Miriam and Aaron were in that place before the Lord. And their conversation was not a dialogue. It was just it was one way. It was mon- a monologue. The Lord was telling them, hey, why didn't you fear? Speaking against my servant, Moses. They're not talking and it's not so good. God's last statement before he departed. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant, Moses? A couple more things to point out before we move on. Just to lay it out. Number one, God called Moses a faithful servant. Number two, God referred to Moses as the most meek of all people. Number three, God would speak to Moses like a friend face-to-face. Number four, God did this work in Moses' life during the 40 years he spent in the desert. This, this isn't something that happened overnight. It was a work of, work of sanctification that, that happened over the course of 40 years in the life of Moses. God's servant was being prepared for exactly what he was doing for him in the present time. You know, God has done a work in your life up to this point to prepare you for the very work that he has for you today. Moses' humility, faithfulness, loyalty, and a servant's heart was all being developed and molded in the previous 40 years by God. Aaron and Miriam had desire to be considered to come alongside Moses But they were not prepared nor called to do so in the same manner that Moses was. That doesn't give them any less value in the eyes of the Lord. It's just they're not called to that. That's all. Moses was spoken against as the appointed and anointed servant of God. And it wasn't that Moses was beyond criticism. We need to also understand this. It wasn't that Moses was beyond criticism. Criticism, because you remember his father-in-law, Jethro? Yeah, he kind of had some words of criticism for him. He says, hey, you continue doing what you're doing, you're going to die. You can't do that. And he received it. Moses received that, and he actually did something about it. So it wasn't that Moses was beyond criticism, but God did not tolerate false accusations or Uh, jealous undertones, murmurings against the man whom he had called to do this work. They were just, they were false. No, this, this wasn't just criticism at all. This was jealousy and they should have been afraid to speak against Moses. And so God left and it was done. So there's this awkward pause, is what we know. Let's continue. Verse 10 says, When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, O oh my Lord, do not punish us, because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. So we see this shock. Aaron, I, I don't think Miriam knew that she was leprous. I think the moment that the Lord departed... All of a sudden, Aaron turned and saw his sister and was like, right? That's what we get from what we have in our text here. And all of a sudden, he, he's alarmed. He is, he is now pleading. He's turning to Moses and saying, my Lord. That's what he's calling Moses at the time. This is an answer to... Um, also, Don. Don's not here. He's actually away... He's normally here, and he asked me a couple weeks ago, he says, I'm reading ahead, Pastor, and, and, and I have this question, you know, um, why did Miriam uh, get leprosy and not Aaron? Good question. Very, very good question. Well, as I stated from the very beginning, there's a reason why Miriam's name was first and not Aaron. Is it because it's thought that Miriam was the one who took the lead in speaking against Moses. And Aaron just kind of followed along. It's not the first time that Aaron just follows along. You remember the golden calf? Yeah. So, it's not like Aaron had a good track record up to this point. You know, there was the golden calf. There's a situation with Moses. And now he sees this. And all of a sudden, hey... <laughs> I'm good, Lord, you know. <laughs> Moses, Lord, please help. No, right? Perhaps the leprosy would have continued to Aaron, but it definitely served to get his attention in very short order. Sometimes that should be good for us, like when we see certain situations with other people to where they're being disciplined, you know, by the Lord, and we see things happen it really should serve to strike fear in our own hearts. Not this fear of God, you're going to strike me dead, but this fear of, wow, the Lord is serious about these things. And I should be fearful of also falling into the same sin, whatever it may be, and dealing with the same consequences. Now, the bottom line, and I I will say this about, well, why Miriam and not, Aaron, I can say that there, there isn't anything that we can like point to other than the order of their names, right? That's the only thing that we can say. So I can say that there really is no clear explanation as to why Miriam and not Aaron. But the point is, is that the Lord was doing this and it struck fear in the heart of Aaron. And again, it should strike fear in our hearts when we see things happen around us. It was instantaneous. It was miraculous. This case of leprosy that came upon Miriam the moment the Lord departed. It seems as if Aaron was the one to see again the leprosy on Miriam first, and he cried out to Moses in in a moment of panic, in a moment of despair. By the way, leprosy was a disease of bodily decay and corruption, and the person who had leprosy would be considered to be the walking dead. What we would call today, zombies, right? Yeah, zombies, they're, they're, they're walking dead. How are they walking? They're dead. And that's what they would call them. You're the walking dead, leprous. It's interesting that her body now reflected the condition of her heart. Corrupt and dead. Oftentimes, we're the last to see that, by the way. It's very evident to other people, as it was to Aaron. Aaron turned and was like, wow. That just freaked him out, right? In a moment, just like that. And it's funny how people can see in us, oftentimes, what we cannot see in ourselves. It's kind of obvious on the outside. Kind of like this, what kind of wells up out of the heart. Now, we have Aaron's confession we have done foolishly and have sinned. Again, Aaron cries out to Moses as his Lord, and in his confession, we can't but think that it probably came because of his fear that he may have been next, right? Like, I don't want to be next, so I'm going to confess, hey. We've sinned. We've done foolishly. Please help us. Because all of a sudden, Aaron's repentant when he sees his sister... He doesn't pray to God himself. He doesn't offer to sacrifice on behalf of his sister because he knows that he's an accomplice to this matter. He himself is a sinner in need of a mediator and cries out to his mediator. He cries out to Moses. Now let's take a look at Moses, the mediator. Verse 13 And Moses cried to the Lord, O oh God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. After that, the people set out from Hazroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Now, this is where we see like the char- God's character here. It's 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 beautiful. Moses didn't hesitate to pray for Miriam. Aaron cried out to him. Help us, please help us. Help us. And Moses immediately didn't hesitate, didn't hold back. Immediately. He prayed for her even though she was his accuser. Moses was a man who was loyal to God. He was a man who would meet with God face to face, speak to him as a friend does. He was faithful to God. And he immediately interceded on behalf of Miriam. But God did not heal Miriam immediately. You see, he allowed her to be an example for seven days. A a, a leprous person could not be a part of the congregation. A leprous person had to be kept outside of the camp. And so she was, as the Bible tells us here, Scripture tells us she was shut out of the camp of Israel for seven whole days and all knew why she was shut out. Imagine, I mean, the humility that had to have been overwhelming for her there had to have been shame i mean she was put out she was leprous she had spoken against moses god's anointed ordained leader of the israelites at this point we also need to see something else here is that they didn't set out on their march for seven days because of this There was this delay in the movement of the whole congregation. Time that they could have spent going toward the promised land. No, they were sitting there waiting until Miriam was made well again and they stayed behind. Two people who were against the leader caused the whole nation of Israel to stop their forward movement until Miriam was healed after seven days. How many people? Two million people? That's a lot of people. It, it just goes to show, and this is one of those illustrations, it just goes to show that it doesn't take much to paralyze or to halt the forward movement of a body. That's why we need to make sure that for us, that we continue, we're continue. we in the right place with the Lord. I, I would hate to be the one who's hindering the forward momentum of this church to do that which the Lord has planned for us to do. You know, I'd, I'd hate to be that person. But they were. Again, I remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 5 and 6. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Now, Something else to point out is that Aaron and Miriam they waited for Miriam. they didn't just say, Well, you know what Miriam is leprous? hey she did what she did you know we need to we need to move on we're fine, right? no no no, no we we weep with those who weep we we mourn with those who mourn we that's why you know and I say this um, from time to time that we're a family we're We feel pain together. We rejoice together. Um, But unless you walk away and you abandon the the fellowship, so to speak, um, we won't abandon you. And that's what I want always to be nurtured here within the fellowship, is that no, no matter what, no matter what, we'll wait. We'll wait. And we'll continue to move on together. Because what matters is that the person is restored and reconciled. That the person understands truly the grace and the love of God. That he works through us. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. Right? And we need to demonstrate that. That, That's what I love about this, is that even, even though Aaron and Miriam, they messed up. Right? God didn't abandon them. He still brought him along. Now we see Moses, this mediator, in the midst of destructive undertones. This man whose person and character and status and authority were called into question by his brother and sister is now pleading before the Lord, begging for their forgiveness for sins that they had committed against him. That, it, it's, it's interesting. It's like completely. He had, he had not spoken a single word Moses, you didn't hear him speak. Aaron and Miriam did. God did. And here Aaron cries out to Moses and he finally says something and it's only to plead on their behalf. And the question is, is Moses not a reflective of Jesus Christ himself? A mediator? Because we know that Jesus didn't defend himself before his accusers. He didn't say a word. He stayed silent can you not hear the words of our Lord as he hung on the cross? And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's why in the midst of it all, we have the wonderful character of God on display. And And it's beautiful. Again, Aaron and Miriam, not left behind. Moses, just stepping up, not saying a single word. God defending him. Of course, applying discipline to Miriam and, and Aaron. But then immediately, that's why as, for me, as I look at this, it's one of those moments to where, as a pastor, I need to guard my own heart before the Lord. You know there there are things, of course, that that pastors you know go through and they they deal with. But the bottom line is, you know, just just be silent, just keep being faithful to the Lord. Yesterday we got together with uh, my wife Bettina and I. We went to a luncheon and we were with a bunch of pastors and we had um, David and Marie and uh, uh, John and Robin from Reno Valley. We had. Um, Jimmy and Janice from Cucamonga, who were on the panel, along with Mike and his wife, Terry, and, uh, and just sharing their hearts. And, and I, I heard a lot of what pastors deal with, you know, and just, I mean, after a while, there's, there's not much that you haven't seen and heard, you know. But the one thing that I've always been told from the very beginning is, number one, make sure you're called. Uh, don't go into a, a place where you're not called. You, you won't make it. Number two is just stay faithful to the Lord. That's it. Stay faithful to him. Keep teaching the word. Uh, love on the people. And um, and do what God's called you to do. That's it. And so I look at something like this. And I see how it was that Moses responded in this case. I mean, in chapter 11, he didn't respond Right? Right? Here we are in chapter 12, not saying a word. And when he did have a moment to speak, he prayed on their behalf. That, that's the heart that I seek to have. And I hope that that's also the heart that you seek to have. That no matter what other people do to you, really, the, the whole perspective is forgive them for they know not what they do. And you know what? Even if they do, it really, it really doesn't matter, does it? I mean, if you, if you look at eternity, it really doesn't matter because it's not about you. It's about the Lord. So you should always seek to restore, to reconcile, to make things right, to take, you know, the high road, so to speak, but it's the low road as far as humility is concerned. And oftentimes you don't have to defend yourself, but just speak Words that would facilitate and encourage restoration, reconciliation, love, compassion, grace, mercy, forgiveness, those things. That's really what's important. I titled um, this message Destructive Undertones, but that's not where it ends because we have a mediator who is always interceding on our behalf and going before the Lord. And no matter what we're accused of, he's there to say, no, they belong to me. And even if we're delayed at times, we will still be brought along with the rest of God's people, his children, for we are his and no one can snatch us out of his hand. We're his forever. If we but trust in Jesus Christ for and trust him for who he is he's the son of god let's pray heavenly father i pray that you may give us your heart lord that you would continue to to sanctify us lord working out in us that which glorifies you that we may be more like jesus have a love so deep and genuine towards others that no matter what they do, they can't shake our love for them. And we stand in the gap for them, even when they hate us and even when they persecute us. And I ask that you would help us to be loyal toward you, that we would be also called your servants. I pray, Lord, that we would be humble and meek as Moses was that we would honor and glorify you and have the right response in the situations that arise before us. Help us, Lord, we cry. In Jesus' name, amen.